or it is not safe or welcome for you to express in your true ways, then what happens is you go inside and you try to shrink yourself and that creates discord. You're listening to Wild Creative, a podcast designed to inspire creative thought, enhance your artistic process, and excavate enriched understandings about art, culture, and yourself. I'm your host, Emma Kivetna, an alternative writing teacher, artist, entrepreneur, and Sagittarius. I am joining you today from the traditional territories of the Mi'kmaq people in Nova Scotia, Canada. Without further ado, let's explore the wild creative. Hello and welcome to Wild Creative. I don't know about you, but I have always largely been a very intellectual type of person my whole life. And by saying intellectual, I don't mean to claim that I'm a genius or something like that, or that I'm very overly academic, although I was fairly academic growing up. But what I more so mean is that the way in which I've always processed things has largely been through a very thinking nature. And I've always found it quite difficult, actually, to connect naturally to my emotions and my senses or my intuition even. So everything for me was always just super intellectual based, very, very much a, a thought then action, thought then action type of formula. But then on the other hand, you have people who they don't think as much as I do, but instead they may be super attuned to their emotions and the emotions of other people as well. Or they may sense things without any sort of prompt or mental stimulation. And you know, there's strength in having those types of abilities, just as there's a strength in being more of an intellectual processor too. But is there strength in being better at one than the other? Or what about being equally strong in all areas? Well, this is basically what my guest's conversation today is all about. Regina Curtis is a soul wisdom mentor, speaker, art channeler, and author. She uses her experience as a well-traveled soul wisdom explorer to support visionary leaders align their authentic ways of knowing and being with their natural cycles and rhythms, unlocking their magnetic potential and creating sustainable work-life balance. She seamlessly blends experience in the fields of education, business, and energy work with her intuitive gifts into a unique approach, teaching you how to interpret your intuitive guidance and create practices that evolve with you, supporting all areas of your life and work. Regina will inspire you to stay curious, explore joyfully, and keep creating. Now, I feel like I could probably say this every single time I do an interview, but this was one of the best conversations I've had on this podcast and I really enjoyed it. It was it was super interesting. We covered all sorts of various things. We talked about soul wisdom and what, what even is a soul, at least what's Regina's take on what a soul is. And she also talked about what the five soul wisdom languages are and she even shared a bit of a story about growing up in a haunted house and we talked about you know being a corporate versus entrepreneur type person and we talked about religion versus spirituality self-love we talked about trusting intuition there was just all sorts of interesting intriguing topics in this conversation 
And I, I'm sure something will resonate with you and you'll, you'll take away something from it. So I'm excited for you to hear it. My conversation with Regina took place over Zoom, where she joined me from her home in Chicago. All right. Hello, Regina. Thank you for joining me on Wild Creative. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Me too. I'm really excited for our talk, actually, after I was looking on your website more and from our first talk initially. Um, so I want to start off right away asking you how you got into this line of work and being a soul wisdom mentor. And yeah. you know, what's, what's your story? Because I'm sure I feel like a lot of people who go in that line of work have some sort of like life changing catalyst or something that they might have gone through. So what was <laughs> <Absolutely>. yours? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. I love this. I love this question. So, you know, a lot of times I think that there is some kind of uh, there's a catalyst, right? That moment of. I was doing this and then that no longer really served me or felt right or whatever it is. And then so I did something else. And for me, I really feel like it's been a lifelong journey. And um, so I'm going to actually start by telling you what the name of my company means. And I think that that's going to really kind of help uh, bring some life and sure. some light into that story. So, mm -hmm. um, so the name of my company is at Maytree and it's actually a word that I created. <laughs> so it's a totally made up word, um, which, uh, those people in marketing have a whole lot of things to say about that. Um, <laughs> as far as like that, not being a great choice. However, it really is true to the, my story and what I do with people. So, um, it's a combination of two Sanskrit words. The first word is Atman, which can be translated as self or soul, and then Maitri. And Maitri means benevolence. It can be, or kindness, right? And so together, those words, what they mean to me is kindness towards your soul. And that is really the journey that I've taken to come into this line of work. And it's the journey that I take with others through this line of work. So that really is it, right? It's my journey into understanding my true and authentic nature. And so, yeah, there have been catalysts throughout my life at different points. And I would say that a lot of that has come through a combination of my career and the different career moves that I've made, as well as this dance, uh, I'll call it, that I've had with my intuition and learning to understand and trust my intuition as well as some conditioning that I've had to unlearn in order to deepen that trust. And so it's been this combination of kind of my internal journey and my external journey coming together. And it was at that point where when they really clicked into place together, that is when I started to use the term soul wisdom mentor, because that journey that I'd taken in understanding my own life, my own ways of knowing and being now is something that I can help support others do. So was there something like specific, like, were you working in corporate before or? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> and actually this is a really, um, it's a really beautiful way to introduce who I work with also, mm -hmm. because yeah. most of the time, I think as an entrepreneur, we work with people who are a reflection of ourselves in either a past version or a current version mm -hmm. of what we are doing in our own life. And I did work in corporate. I've worked in education. I've worked in higher education. I've worked in um, 
the travel industry and in some really corporate feeling spaces, even though when you look at, you know, education or higher education, you may not originally think or initially think that's a corporate space. Right. But the way that these companies, especially the ones that I was working within, are set up, it's really a corporate structure. And the difference between a corporate structure and an entrepreneurial structure in my through my lens, right, the way that I look at it is that a corporate structure is set up to support the life force of the business. And as an entrepreneur, you are really working to support the life force of you as a human. And your business is a reflection of that. Your life is a reflection of that in all areas. And so it's that seemingly subtle difference, but it's really big. It's really powerful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So in my corporate career, I was always looking for the sense of value or worth through external validation, whether it was my title or my job responsibilities or, you know, who, what teams I got to work on, what projects I got to work on. There was always this seeking out validation through something. There's this sense of needing to find that worth in something outside of yourself. And a lot of times what happens, and this definitely was true for me, when you're in a space like that, you start to lean more into in your personal life because there's this illusion that it's separate. Work-life balance yeah. is something that we hear all the time. Yeah. And so there's this illusion that your work life is somehow separate from your personal life. And it's because of that corporate structure where everything that is happening in that world is to support the life force of the business, not you as a human. So then you have to go home and find that somewhere else. And that often will come through a spiritual practice, a creative practice, a um, some kind of movement practice, whether it's exercise, running, creative arts, martial arts, you name it. It can be any type of activity that's happening, but it's where you connect with your spiritual self, your true self, or what I would call your soul. And then this path of coming into entrepreneurship for me is one that I see a lot with my clients of, I was in this corporate space, I was getting totally burned out and either I chose to, or something externally happened that helped me choose. And in my case, it was a little of both to leave that world and lean into that spiritual practice, that creative practice, whatever it was that was feeding your soul in your corporate life and become it becomes the foundation of your business. And so that is the journey that I took. And it's the journey that I support others with once they've reached that place of untangling all of those mindsets. I call it the, mm -hmm. the machinery mindset of the corporate world where everything is focused on feeding the machine rather than feeding you as a person. Absolutely. You're more the cog in the machine than, you know, your own machine. Not that I want to right. compare humans to being a machine, but you, right. you, 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 <laughs> you get what I'm saying. Yeah, I do. Yeah, we're yeah. all, yeah, all parts of the, the machinery, right? Yeah. The, the mechanics, I don't know, I guess. And... Yeah, the mechanics that make it work. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And were you always spiritual? Or was this, was that something you mm -hmm. kind of came to because of the lack of it in your workplace? Or? I love that question. And actually, no one's ever asked me that question. So it's fascinating. Um, <laughs> have I always been spiritual? I would say yes. However, 
did I always know that or have a relationship with it and awareness of it? No, because I had to first understand what spirit to be spiritual meant. And I had to understand the difference between religion and spirituality. Mm-hmm. And it's a big part of the framework of how I look at the world and the work that I do. So I remember in one of the very first presentations, I guess I was, I was a speaker, a facilitator at a conference, and it was the first time that I had shown up in that way and this leadership role in this world and not in my world of education or world of business, et cetera. This was me showing up as a soul wisdom mentor doing this work in the world and one of the first things that i did in that talk was to define and examine the difference between religion and spirituality and so the way that i would define that um, really has to do with that religion is more a set of beliefs and tools around a, a combined belief system. So Mm -hmm. whereas spirituality is a connection with your own divinity. And so that connection of divinity and what we consider to be the divine is often what confuses those two things. Whereas religion is really, it's a set of parameters that everyone is coming together in this combined belief system. It's more of a system, whereas spirituality is a belief, a connection in the belief that you have within as you're saying this I'm kind of making my own connections of like yeah around this and because I I also when I was younger I, I was not spiritual or religious but and I mm-hmm. thought to be spiritual meant to be religious and I was like well I'm not religious right. I don't want to follow religion so I'm, I guess I'm not spiritual yeah. but then I was like as I grew up I was kind of like well something's really missing in my life mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. what the heck is it <laughs> and it was like spirituality and I was like but how can you be spiritual without following a religion like I didn't get it so but but you don't you don't have to follow a religion to be spiritual and as you were talking just now about belief and stuff I've I've kind of realized recently that you like you can believe something have beliefs or Mm -hmm. I don't really like that word a whole lot because I feel like that makes me feel like I'm tricking myself into Mm -hmm. believing something's real so I'm I've more so reframed it's like what's been my experience and oh, yeah. you know, and and so for my for me, I've started having experiences that were, I guess, spiritual for me, and so those mm-hmm. are now things I can believe in because that's been my experience of, you know, th- that yeah. Type, yeah, that way of life. So for me, that was like backing myself into it, <laughs> like finding a different way into having a belief because it was really foreign to me. I like up. it. Yeah. I like that you found a way to understand something in a way that was true to you. And I think that is really the essence of soul wisdom. You're having a soul wisdom language. And what that means is that there's a, there are certain ways that you experience the world and language that you are going to utilize in order to find that synchronicity with your soul. So we all have ways of knowing and being that are authentic to who we are. Mm -hmm. And those ways we sometimes unlearn or learn to do something different because it is a survival method. And our systems and structures are often set up to really support one way of knowing and being, and that is through our thinking channel. So I know I can explain 
what a soul wisdom language is and what the different wisdom yes, channels that's are. My next, so <laughs> my next questions. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. So if you're new to my work, then this will be a new concept. But if you've followed my work at all, you'll hear me talk about this a lot. So your soul wisdom, it's your authentic ways of knowing and being. Knowing how you receive information, how you process it, and being how you integrate and express that information. And we as humans do those things all the time, even when we're sleeping. So that's your soul wisdom. It's this authentic ways of knowing and being, basically how you process information. And then your soul wisdom language is the unique recipe that makes up the five different wisdom channels for you of how that information communicates both to and through you. So again, knowing and being Mm -hmm. or receiving and expressing. Right. So everyone, every person has these five access to these five wisdom channels. And I like to use the acronym times to help you remember what they are and a really great way to kind of just like sync that in and and really um, remember it is that sometimes my soul wisdom will speak to me this way. Sometimes Mm. it will speak to me that way. Sometimes I will express it this way, or sometimes I will express it that way. So the T stands for thinking. It's your thinking channel. And again, that can come to you and also through you. The I is images. M is movement. E is emotions. And S is sensory. So these are all different channels of uh, that information flows both to and through you from your soul wisdom. So sometimes you see things in the external world and that's reflected to you, you receive it through these wisdom channels, and then you process it in your in your brain, in your body, in your um, in your soul essence. And sometimes it drops in from that place, and then is expressed through you, and then reflected out into the external world. So, with the thinking channel, that's the one that most of our systems and structures in our current world are set up to both support and celebrate. So just like I was saying that in a corporate space, the all of the systems and structures are set up to support the life force energy of the business itself and not necessarily the humans who are feeding it, right? Yeah, Running it, yeah. fueling it. And in our education system, in our, um, you know, work of sphere of work, any of the, the corporate spaces, most of the time, the thinking channel is the one that is celebrated the most, unless you're in a space that is, you know, the arts, where as images might become more prevalent or movement, if you're a dancer, things like that. Um, sensory would be celebrated and important if you are a chef, or if you are a masseuse, for instance. However, these are still the communication between people often is going to fall back into that thinking channel, words, language in that sense. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to pause there and just let you kind of settle that in and see if that stems any other questions for you. It's funny because I took your quiz before we talked. Nice. So there's a a quiz on her website that tells you like which language is your main channel I guess uh-huh um do you want to guess which one I am before I <laughs> tell you I I feel like images might be a big one for you okay um however it feels like there's another one 
thinking does come up for a lot of people and often um, sometimes that's because it really is the channel that you're most fluent in. And sometimes it's because it is the one you're most practiced in using in that format, right? When you take a quiz at school, it's in the language of words. And so you could become accustomed to that. So I'm curious. Interesting. Okay. So I got thinking, Okay, (laughs) Um, (laughs) but I, like I am also very artsy too, and this is mm-hmm. what I I was as you were talking just now. I realized I'm like that's why I've struggled with art so much. Is like even though I'm really drawn to art and and mm-hmm. writing and creativity, I have often tried to think my way through a piece yes. or a project yeah. or a poem or whatever, and that's why I was so frustrated with stuff that I couldn't get out of me. I yeah. you know because I was thinking too much about it instead of feeling mm-hmm. through it or just being quiet and not thinking. <laughs> And, yeah. you know, letting things from your subconscious rise up instead of trying to, like, contrive something from your uh-huh. conscious mind. So, yeah, I so I got, I got thinking that, um, but uh, the images, I could relate to that one, too, because I, I am very visually, um, I, I don't know what the word is, calibrated, or I, I do like things to look yeah. a certain way in aesthetics, and especially when it comes to art or renovating a room or something or decorating mm-hmm. So I think that's the perfect explanation of, uh, so you were saying that for you, actually experiencing something is how you understand it as a belief. And that is the embodiment of it. Having a lived experience of it helps you formulate what you then can relate to as a belief. And so what you just described is you having this experience with this quiz. Um, so, and I'll just say, you know, for anyone who's listening, is like, what quiz are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. um, it's on my website. It's at maytree.com forward slash quiz. And I know it'll probably I'll be in the, the show link. notes. Yes, okay, perfect. Sure. <laughs> and what this quiz is, is it's seven quick and easy questions that are designed to help you tap into which one of those five wisdom channels, thinking, images, movement, emotion, sensory, are you most fluent in right now? And everyone has the capacity and is always receiving and expressing through all five channels in different measurements, I guess. I think of it like a recipe. So different intensities. Yeah, different intensities. And also um, there are certain situations where it makes sense for one to come through with more fluency than another um, or one to become more practiced. So for instance, you're a podcast host. And so language is a big part of what you do. You are sharing your voice. Mm -hmm. You know, you are receiving information in this format. And so if this is where you're showing up most in your life, then it is more it is accurate that you would be most fluent in that part of your language as well and if you were to take the quiz after having you know just been through an art class or having really like gone on a retreat and you were you know away and you were just creating and in this really creative space and you took the quiz again you might it might come up that you're most fluent in that language at that time because it's really what you're practicing and what you're in the flow with Right. So what would someone do with that information once they get it? Is the purpose to become more fluent in the thing they're already fluent at? Or is the mm-hmm. pr- purpose to balance so that you're equally fluent with others, like to strengthen the ones you're not so good at? Like, It's a great question. So really, it's a tool of observation and introspection. And mm-hmm. it is kind of like... Um, 
it's a mirror really is what Mm -hmm. it is. So my answer to that question would be what, when you sit with the information, what draws you the most towards it? So is it, uh, sometimes I get people will take the quiz and they'll say to me, this does, most of the time they say this resonates and it resonates on some level. Sometimes though, there'll be this uh, resistance that comes up almost like, I really was thinking it was more this other thing. And this is what came up. And oftentimes that is a case where the thinking channel comes through and they feel more that they're an emotional person, that they really understand the world through their emotions. And what I would say to that is, is there some kind of disconnect there? Are you not feeling safe? to allow those emotions to come through and what you're leaning into is something that doesn't feel as authentic. So use then the practices that come with it. So at the end of the quiz, there's a download that you go in and enter your email and I'll send you the download. And it's a PDF with different practices to help you attune to different channels and become more acclimated to them or fluent in them. So if what you come up with as your main fluent channel gives you some resistance, then explore some of the other ones. However, if you get really excited about it and you're like, ooh, I wanna know more about this, this feels really in alignment for me, then allow yourself to dig deeper in that one and explore more with that one. Right, so like when I got thinking, I was kind of like, oh yeah, like not shocked. I was just like, yeah, that's same old. I always get the logical, rational answers, Uh whatever it is. But I was kind of thinking, like, I kind of wish I got one of the other ones <laughs> that, like, yeah. or I, or maybe I kind of wish I was more. I had those skills for those that those other ones have. Um, yeah. yeah. So that's really powerful information, and I would say to follow that. So, what one feels the most juicy and exciting to you when you yeah. look at them? Is it the is it images? I don't. Is I, it movement? Yeah. Yeah. I feel like the emotion one I have a lot of hard, mm-hmm. like a hard time with, because I, as I said, I think my way through things more mm-hmm. than I feel. So I think that wouldn't be the most challenging for me to get more fluent Beautiful. in. So, yeah. I love it. I love, you know, take that challenge and do the five days. So after mm-hmm. you download, after you download it, you'll get an email from me, five days helping support you with one of these practices. And I would say, take that five day challenge and really work with the emotions channel to see what unfolds for you and how can you deepen that relationship. And Mm -hmm. it's a really, all of the practices are really gentle as in they will, they're powerful in the insights that you'll get, yet they are easy to implement. They're not going to, you know, take over your entire day. They are really designed to be these kind of snippets or moments in your day that help support you. And it's those micro changes or those micro moments that you have that really do affect the macro, the, the bigger part of right. your life. Just little practices. To, yeah, to do. exactly. Yeah. Yep. So that being said, I, it made me, it makes me think that would there, would there be a, a benefit to becoming fluent in all of them so that you can kind of yes. switch between them in different contexts, depending Absolutely. what the context calls for. So you can be kind of a chameleon and like, yeah. Yeah. It's multilingual. And right, right. so you, they are all languages and often, you know, language 
when you think about it through your thinking brain, you might think language is a communication tool that we use through spoken word and written word and, um, you know, symbolisms of letters. Also However, a worldview too. It is, yes, very much. <laughs> yeah. It is a worldview. And there are so many languages. There's an emotional yeah. language. There's a sensory language. And mm -hmm. one of the things that I really love about this work that I do is I really have become fluent in all of those channels. So I am multilingual or fluent in my entire, you know, suite of soul wisdom language. There's always a way for me to deepen it more. And that comes with, you know, practice with each channel. And there are times when I personally am leaning more into one or another. So when I do intuitive work with someone, I'm leaning more into that sensory channel, the emotional channel, and the thinking channel all at the same time, because I'm feeling into what they're feeling. I'm allowing that to be received in my body through the senses that I'm experiencing. And then I'm translating that, interpreting it and translating it into spoken language. So to answer your question, yes, there's definitely a benefit to becoming fluent in all of those channels. And it's important to know that that fluency is unique to you. So this is not, when you work with me in this capacity, I'm not teaching you how I do it. I'm teaching it you how to interpret the information that you're receiving with clarity and take confident action with that information. So you, I think you already answered it, but I was going to ask you what's your, like, your language. But so you nowadays yeah. you find yourself fluent in all of them, but where you, did you, did you used to be kind of more so just one? in the past so i would say that my i think everyone does have a a dominant one mm -hmm. or a favorite in yes. in some ways and for me that would be images so i do understand the world i receive information i process it through the language of images as my most fluent channel however I have learned how to really utilize the power of all of the different channels to support that. So I am receiving and expressing something through that images channel, even though I may be using the support of the thinking channel to formulate words that go with it. Yeah. Or I may be receiving an image and then I tap into my emotions channel to understand it on a deeper level of what's going on. And then again, you know, using that support of the thinking channel to then kind of process it in my brain and the sensory channel to process it in my body and then, you know, express using a different combination. So right. it's, yeah, hopefully that answers your question. I think it's just yeah. a, it's a lot of fun to work with because it's it becomes and actually uh, playfulness is a really important aspect mm. of this work and energy responds to playfulness. So the more that you can actually play in this space and play with these languages and have fun with it, the more supportive it becomes and the more clear it becomes for you as well. Yeah. That feels like they all have their own place in in a way yes. in in terms of yeah what what you could use them for and absolutely yeah, that's really cool so so speaking of images and yes. you said that's more your dominant thing I know you mm -hmm. do channeled uh, soul wisdom art work. I do yes so 
and that's a service you offer. And so how does that work exactly? Yeah. So it started as what I call a devotional practice for myself. And devotional practice is one of the pillars of the work that I do. Um, So the soul wisdom language is one pillar. Your humanness is a pillar. Devotional practice is a pillar. And so devotional practice is, you could compare it to a daily practice or a spiritual practice, a creative practice, et cetera. The reason I call it devotional, and like you were saying earlier about you kind of reframing the word belief for yourself Mm. in order to find a way into it. I like how you said that you kind of backed into it. (laughs) Um, I did the same with a daily practice because there is, there is this huge part of me that desires to have a daily practice that I do with regularity. I have a lot of Virgo in my chart for anyone who knows astrology really well. I have a stellium in Virgo with three of my personal planets. I have six total. So it's a lot of Virgo energy, which for anyone who doesn't know astrology means that I like for things to have meaning in place. You know, I like for everything to be kind of neat and tidy. Just so, and yeah. Just so, exactly. <laughs> I like that um, very kind way of putting it. So, um, (laughs) and so for me, the word daily practice comes with a lot of shame and trigger because if I don't do it daily, then I've failed. And there's that, you know, because of that part of me that really wants that order. And I also have a lot of Capricorn in my chart. Like there's, there's some real like support towards things being very orderly and routine. And so when I have tried to engage in a daily practice, life happens. And sometimes I'm too tired, or sometimes I have a really busy day and I don't have space for it. Or maybe, you know, as I am going through my practice and I start meditating two minutes a day, and then it becomes two hours a day and whatever, there's this something inside of me that's still to this day, I still struggle with it becoming a failure if I don't continue to progress forward in a certain way. Mm -hmm. And so I had to change my relationship with the concept. And when I came up with the term devotional practice instead of daily practice, it gave me the softness that I needed in order to engage with this in a way where I could still be human. I could Mm -hmm. still be imperfect. I could still have days where I just didn't feel like it, or I was too tired or too busy and still see success and understand success instead of going into these shame spirals and actually getting further away from my goal. So the more I'm devoted to this practice, the more I show up for it, the more it is devoted to me and I can receive from it. And that's how I view it. So creativity I do try to engage with every single day. And so my intuitive art practice was formed as a devotional practice. It was something that I was coming into practice with every day for the most part. And it started from a dream that I had. So dreams are very tied to that images channel as well. If you're strong, if you receive strong messages through your dreams, you probably are are pretty fluent in your images channel. So I had a dream one day that I really didn't understand. I could not use that thinking channel to analyze it and find meaning. Yet I knew in my body, my emotions and my sensory were telling me there's something important here for me to process. And because I couldn't process it in, you know, speaking about the dream because I couldn't really remember it, I couldn't use language to do that. I chose to lean into my art practice 
my creative energy to allow the messages to come through. And so I sat down with a piece of paper and I just put my hands on it and I set an intention for whatever messages needed to be processed to process on this paper. And then I listened and much like you might do a moving meditation where you're really practicing being present and also moving your body at the same time. I listened to what colors wanted to come through on the paper, what shapes, what combinations. And I just allowed, I did this really slow process of listening, tuning in, closing my eyes, actually getting present with it, allowing one piece of information to come up. And then I would take an action with that. And so I now have a framework. It's four simple steps that I use with any creative practice and it is setting sacred space. So when I sat down with that paper and set that, you know, put down the paper and made the space to have this conversation with my intuition, that was me creating sacred space. Setting an intention is the second step. And so I put my hands on that paper. I connected with it. I intended to, you know, I clarified what it was I wanted to know from this practice. And that was the intention that I set. And then gather your tools. I now have a much more practiced and um, concise way of doing this. I have specific tools that I use when I do intuitive art that I know are going to support me and that I know I have like easy access to. I've, I've deepened or I've con- created a relationship with these tools. So I know how they speak to me. Um, however, that's something that comes with practice. And then the fourth is receive and respond. And that's what I was doing with, you know, close my eyes, tune in, listen. And when I say listen, I mean, listen with all all of those channels. So sometimes I actually open my eyes. Sometimes I close my eyes and I get, you know, yellow or triangle or something like that. Sometimes I am actually more prompted to open my eyes and then allow myself to soften my gaze over my tools and see which one becomes more vibrant or pops out to me. And that's something that you develop over time with as you deepen your soul wisdom, as you become more fluent in that soul wisdom language, you understand how to use these tools. And that's something that I teach also. As you were talking, I was kind of feeling some resistance because I'm like, oh, I can't imagine doing that because I would just want to like think my way yeah. through the picture or whatever the, whatever it is I'm trying to draw. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, and then I was like, well, that's why I probably wish that I had the emotional <laughs> channel more or sensory channel more developed so I could yeah. feel more comfortable to do that. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I love that awareness you have already. And resistance is not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, resistance is information. That's all. It's all it is. And so because you were able to pick up on that resistance and not necessarily judge it, but allow it to be a part of the experience you were having, you then were able to deepen into the meaning behind it. And so I think that's a really beautiful reflection that happened right there. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I was uh, it's really interesting listening to you, uh, listening to you describe what exactly like how you do your channeled work. And I it sounds like there is like a lot of trust involved too, like with oh, yourself. Yeah. Cause yes. that's <laughs> also why there's probably resistance for me. Cause like, I don't always trust myself and, um, mm-hmm. and like following your intuition and like it, going towards it and, or making space for it or whatever. So what's your relationship yeah. with intuition and how do you, how do you develop your intuition and 
were do you always have you always been intuitive or again was that something you didn't know you had yeah again <laughs> a great question i have always been intuitive i have not always trusted it and in fact i went through a period of time um and i think this was in fact probably more so the catalyst moment than you know, leaving my corporate career was really the moment where I decided to empower my intuition rather than to push it away. And that came through first a series of getting to know my intuition and then getting to um, unknow it <laughs> and through fear is really what it was. So I, you know, very simple story with this is that I grew up in a haunted house and, you know, so there was a spirit in the house that everyone knew about and we all dealt with it in our own particular way. Some of us pushed it away. Some of us welcomed it. Some of us kind of um, made a joke of it, you know, like mm -hmm. there were just different ways of dealing with it. For me, I was quite small when I lived in that house and um, it was, I lived there until I was about five years old. And so for anyone who uh, you may or may not know this, but until you're about seven years old, you live mostly in a state of a theta brainwave. And what that means, the theta brainwave is the same brainwave that you experience when you're sleeping, when you're dreaming. It's what you go into when you're in meditation. And it's like a sponge. It just soaks up information. And so it's why things like subliminal messages can help you learn something. It's why children of that age actually have a really, like a propensity for learning things really quickly because they're brains are actually in this state where you're receiving information and processing information in this very open way. And that has pros and cons because yeah. one, you can learn a language really quickly. Con, traumas get, um, you know, embedded into your existence at the time and become limiting beliefs or become experiences that you live that experience and now it becomes what you understand as a truth. And so, like I said, there, there are pros and cons to that. But as a child of that age, living in that house, I was very open to receiving on all different levels of experience. And so when I would experience this, this spirit, I received her as a very playful energy. I knew a lot about her. I could tell you about her life um, before she passed. I could tell you about how she passed. I could tell you about all sorts of things about her. And so to me, she was another being that was living in our house. And I learned though to doubt that, not to trust it. And was often told that I had a very vivid imagination and, you know, and so a series of things happened where it became less safe to me because fear came in. And I listened to these other people's experiences and started to believe them as my own as well. And so that became this dance that I had with my intuition for many years, probably about 20 years where I just didn't trust. Um, I didn't know what to trust. I didn't know how to interpret the information I was receiving. And there was a lot of stuff happening 
you know, TV and movies and things that were just feeding that fear. And so I started to just try to push it away. I started to try to drown it out, to numb it, to quiet the the information that was coming in, because since I didn't know how to interpret it, it didn't feel safe to me. And so it was better to just block it out. And eventually in my thirties, I had a, a moment where this was just like, I couldn't push it away any longer in a way that was actually healthy. I mean, none of it was healthy to be really honest, but you know, like I couldn't push it away any longer and it was Mm -hmm. just bursting out of me. It was very clear that this was a part of me that needed to be addressed. And so eventually I decided to take action and empower this part of my knowing instead of pushing it away. And that was the moment where everything changed for me, where I started to really learn about my intuition and understand how this can be a really powerful tool as a source of my power rather than a source of fear. And so that was, that was a big catalyst moment. And I did that through um, studying Reiki was the way that I chose to kind of learn about it. And then it just blossomed from there. Yeah. And you probably felt more like yourself. Oh my gosh. Than you had ever before. (laughs) Yeah. Since I was probably two or three years old. Yeah, absolutely. Interesting. I think it's true what people say, like kids are, they're so, they're such natural conduits or or natural mediums because they're so fresh and like fresh beings and they're so Mm -hmm. uninhibited um, at at that point until later, of course, when they go to school and (laughs) things get squashed out of them and, or the adults, as you, as you experience, they tell you what you should and shouldn't believe and pop culture too, as you were saying, like influences how, what, Mm -hmm. what you believe in the world and yeah so yeah absolutely yeah there's what I mean some people look at it that your soul is not actually embodied fully in your human body until you're about seven years old and I I tend to one of the things that I love is is kind of seeing the different patterns and the the relationship between the physical and the metaphysical. And so if you look at it through the physical, like science, right, is what I was talking about with the brainwaves. If you look at it through the metaphysical or the mystical, then it's your soul isn't fully embodied in your body. And when you look at those two things together, it's, it's, just really feels so aligned. And Mm -hmm. so you can explain things through many different lenses or many different vocabularies or belief systems. And yet you kind of come to the same place if you're open enough to receive it that way, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And, and do you find, um, have you had any more experiences with connecting to spirit or is that just kind of gone? Oh no. Yeah, I definitely do. I mean, even as recent as, I was just on a retreat and ended up um, kind of helping, you know, process, helping a, a spirit who was a young, young girl actually pass through, you know, and fully kind of pass. She was kind of stuck in this, in this loop. And it's not something that I actually, I don't know, I, I don't talk about it that much, mostly because it's not something that I am actively seeking out. Mm-hmm. However, it it definitely is a part of who I am. And mm-hmm. um, it is an important part of even the work that I do. Sometimes, sometimes when I'm working with someone, 
you know, I can think of this one session I had with someone where she was specifically wanting to allow her soul wisdom to help her build a website. And that seems like a very physical, tangible thing. And what came through as soon as I tapped in was there's a, there's a person you know, that you, a loved one who's really showing their presence and wants to come through to you. And it was a cousin of hers that had passed away and he had messages for her. And there was some unfinished business, let's say, like just some Mm -hmm. things that needed to be shared that hadn't been expressed in life. And that was what needed to come through. And once that happened, then it opened up the floodgates and we were able to drop in and bring in what needed to come through for her website within, I think it was probably like five or 10 minutes. And so it seems sometimes that these things are unrelated or unnecessary. And that's that conditioning we have around the thinking channel being the most important thing. And that, I mean, being just a representation because we did use the thinking channel in that experience. So it wasn't the channel itself. However, it was that, way of expressing the thinking channel, which is like, do the business first and then deal with this other stuff later, or that separation between your personal life and your work life. And they aren't separate. That's an illusion. They're so integrated and absolutely, you know, human beings are very complex. And I think when we, when we try to simplify things by separating things out, it, it Mm -hmm. like, it's not our natural state. So no, it just leads to problems. (laughs) It does. Yeah. Yeah, it does. So Um, And that's that humanness pillar that I was talking about where, Mm -hmm. you know, we each have an emotional, physical, mental, and spiritual part of ourselves. And all of those parts need to be addressed. We need to be able to receive through them and express through them in order to have that holistic sense of wellness and well-being. And so when one of those is cut off or more than one are depleted in one of those directions, either receiving or giving, then that's when we, it leads to burnout and it leads to, you know, illness and, and all of those ways of slowing us down so that we can then recover and and come back into ourselves again. Yeah. It it manifests somehow, usually physically in in some sort of health issue or something like that. Absolutely. Yep. Um, I kind of want to back things up. I should have maybe sure. asked this at the beginning, but <laughs> <That's okay. laughs> we've been talking about soul and soul wisdom and that kind of thing. And I did want to ask you, like, what's your definition of what a soul is? Because mm. like versus a spirit versus your higher self versus your inner guide, because there's all these mm-hmm. terms and they don't all mean the same thing. But yeah, what's a soul to you? So I think I love you. You ask really great questions. Um, <laughs> a soul It's the same, I think, as, hold on, let me back that up. You, you mentioned several terms, Mm -hmm. higher self, inner knowing, um, spirit, spirit, right? And so these are all terms that are coming through a specific lens or a vocabulary that's tied to a certain belief system. And this goes back into that question of religion versus spirituality again. So if you look at it through the lens of particular religions, you might come up with the term God. If you look at it through other religions or experiences, you might come up with the the term source or spirit or maybe Gaia or, you know, there are all these different terms that we use. And 
my advice on that is to find the one that resonates with you, find the one that feels best in your body and use that language, not from a place of this or that, this black and white, like it's this Mm -hmm. and it's the only thing that it can be because it resonates with me. But with that softness again of, or openness to know that I might say source or soul, and you might say another term, and they may actually mean the same thing to us just through the lens of whatever our vocabulary is or our soul wisdom language. So, or our culture, because our culture, yes, yeah. our culture, our upbringing, our so many, so many ways that that is influenced. And so, to me, soul really is very similar to your higher self or that inner knowing. It is the expression of your intuition. It is the the expression of true love, and not true love in a romantic sense, but that as well. It's that it's that love that you have that divine for your um, life connection. Yeah. It's the, um, for all life, I think that, you know, that the essence of what love is and it's a term that we've commercialized so much that, (laughs) (laughs) um, I don't know. I had an experience once in one of my Reiki trainings actually, where I connected with what I understood as self-love, the energy of self-love. And it was the most beautiful thing I've ever experienced in my life. And I can't even explain it through words other than it was pure love. (laughs) It just was, it was, it was absolutely um, the most peaceful and also joyful experience I've ever had. And it lasted only a moment, but I remember very clearly in that moment that as I accessed it and I saw an image of a waterfall, this was like what I was seeing, but what I was feeling was so much more. But I think that waterfall was there for me to have something to remember it by. And I saw it. And what came through was this guidance that, that a question that asked me, imagine if you were able to feel and access this all the time, like how would you walk through life differently? And so I just, you can't see it right now on the podcast because you can't see my face, but you know, we're on video right now and you can just see like, there's this brightness, this, this vitality that comes in, even just thinking about that moment. Yeah. It's very special. That's powerful too. Yeah, absolutely. It makes me think of dogs because dogs are so pure. (laughs) Yes, Yes, exactly. They, I love that. Um, I love that analogy. It's that like the pure joy of them just because you're there. That's it. Yeah. There's no, you know, like my cats, they're kind of jerks. They're like, <laughs> give me the treats and then yeah. I want nothing to do with you. I mean, they're, I totally love them, of and, course, yeah. you know, but if you, if you have cats, you also know there's, there's kind of jerks sometimes, but dogs <laughs> will just like, just love you. They're just there to love you. And mm-hmm. I think that that is, that's beautiful. There's wisdom in that. Yeah. So much wisdom in that. Yeah. Beautiful. And I think what you're saying earlier about self-love, that's something that doesn't get thrown around a lot, at least not in any kind of constructive way. <laughs> well, mm-hmm. it, it can't, it's getting thrown around a lot more, that's for sure. But I certainly didn't practice self-love like growing up, really. And it, I find it's very difficult still. I mean, everybody yeah. does, but um, it's... Ugh. Well, who taught you how to do it, right? Yeah. Um, so there, there's this progression with self-love, too, that I think... Uh, I actually heard my a mentor of mine frame it this way one time, and then I've 
elaborated on it a little bit to include the actions or the states of being with it as well. So the first, before you can have self-love, you must first have self-respect and self-esteem and that builds into self-love. And for me, those three steps, the self-respect, those are the actions that you take to towards that kindness towards yourself. Again, coming back to the name of my company, that self-kindness or kindness towards your soul, that's self-respect. And that's a basic level of it. And then self-esteem comes in the feeling where you're actually receiving the feelings, the benefits of that and understanding, okay, I took this action and now I'm receiving those rewards and not in a like external reward kind of way where it's like this for that, but I did this and now I am this and that self-love is really the being that that state of being in that constant flow of taking action and receiving and taking action and receiving and that's that state of being self-love and so when you start with that as the first thing and you tell people like oh you just need to love yourself more with no tools or guidance on even what that means or how to get there then of course people are going to struggle with that yeah I, absolutely. Know. Yeah. And it's good that it's it's really nice that it is coming up so much more now with coaches and um, mm-hmm. with soul wisdom mentors and people who work, who work in the same field as you. So um, and I yeah. just had a thought that it's kind of it, like the way when you were talking about at the very beginning about how the corporate world treats their employees um, as just cogs in their machine. It's like, don't mm-hmm. do that to yourself. Like, don't yeah. don't treat yourself that way, like as if you're just here to for you know a a means to Mm -hmm. an end type of thing so yeah yeah and that's really that's really important and insightful that it starts with self and that it's that same progression to self-respect when you respect that you have needs as a human and set boundaries and standards for being treated in that way then that is then forced to be reflected outward. And I think a lot of times it's it's not when we say, oh, the corporate space, I'm not a hater of the corporate world. Um, I think there's a lot of beauty in it. And I don't, I truly don't believe that everyone is meant to be an entrepreneur. It is not a journey for everyone. Um, it is hard, it's a hard journey. Um, and that's not to say that you're weak if you don't take it or you're weak if you do take it. It's not in any way about that. It's that it's just not, aligned for every single person as as the correct journey for them. And so there's a lot of really beautiful things about the corporate model that bring together the gifts of many people working towards a similar goal to then achieve something together. It's when we forget our humanness and treat each other and ourselves like machines, yes. that's when we get off track. It's, it's just the way in which it's done largely which is the where the issue is but i totally agree with you because there is there is a great a great purpose in coming together to to do a common goal or achieve something and yeah you're not weak if you can't hack it as an entrepreneur and you're not weak if you can't hack it in a nine-to-five job (laughs) it's just just you're different right it might not be the thing that is for you and so it's not a matter of you know you can't hack it necessarily it's that this is not aligned for you yeah. and honor that and do the thing that is. Yeah, absolutely. So that kind of ties into my next question about mental health um, and yeah. how, how is, how has coming into this work affected your mental health personally, mm-hmm. or how have you seen it affect mental health in your clients? Like what's the, 
what's the correlation for you and Mm, beautiful yeah so that actually brings in the fourth pillar of my work that I haven't talked about yet which is aligning with your natural cycles and rhythms and I did bring in uh, bring up a little bit about humanness how we have our mental emotional spiritual and physical beings yep all part of our, our our one being mental health is um it's a complex area to discuss. And um, so I don't want to simplify it or give it not it's, it's do, you know, just Mm -hmm. to do what's the word I'm trying to say. Do justice. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, However, I will say that a lot of there's a, there is a deep correlation between our nervous system and our external world. And so we can get into a place of dysregulation in our nervous system and that affects our mental health greatly. And so there is a lot of correlation between the work that I'm doing and the space of mental health and well-being. And there are, as with anything, there is a whole wide spectrum of things that are occurring there. And so I don't want to simplify it to say that it's just a matter of mindset or it's fully a chemical imbalance. You know, there are there are all points along the spectrum and it is important to really find the, the type of assistance that you need in the moment to help you. For me, what the end of the spectrum that I'm working on is more towards like the mindset and the, it's not just mindset though, it's about finding that rhythm, that harmony with your natural ways of being. And there is a lot of, it's getting better. However, there are more tools and more resources for it. However, oftentimes ways of being, ways of expressing something or ways of processing information that are outside of what has been considered the norm for far too long in spaces like education and the workplace and in just our societal interactions has not necessarily allowed for a wider spectrum of those ways of being. So for instance, when I was a teacher, I was a teacher in an art classroom um, and I had a little more flexibility than a lot of the other teachers to be able to, well, part, partly it was I had more flexibility um, because there were less eyes on me because it was art, which was seen as less important, unfortunately. Yeah. However, at the same time, it gave me more flexibility and more wiggle room to be able to run my classroom in the way that I saw fit. And the way that I saw fit was to allow people to be who they were. So I had you know, when there were kids who were really wiggly and fidgety, I didn't have the language at the time to use of, you know, oh, they're really fluent in their movement channel. I just understood that this person needed to learn in this way. And so I allowed them to move around more in my classroom when, you know, others might be sitting in a circle or that some people would get sensory overload. I say people, children, humans, adults, you know, I did the same thing in my corporate world and actually was I don't know what the correct term, I didn't get in trouble necessarily, but I definitely was chastised and told to fix it. Um, Frowned upon. (laughs) Yeah, it was definitely frowned upon um, and it was seen as poor leadership when in fact, I believe it was actually really like attuned leadership. Um, Yeah. 
and or conscious leadership, you know, where I had an employee who needed to stretch and move her body while we were having meetings. And so she would be sitting on the floor doing yoga stretches and I would be conducting my meetings. And I had another employee who was very much her, her natural way of being was that thinking channel and she would be taking notes and making eye contact and all the things that were generally recognized as good listening and professionalism and acceptable, right? I had another one who was like taking her notes with colorful markers and, (laughs) you know, she was like always eating something and she was very like in tune with her creativity and her sensory. And, you know, when I say she was always eating something, it was always like, she had these beautiful meals, like filled with vegetables and fruits. Yeah. And, you know, like she just, she really had this beautiful relationship with food. And, but those things were not honored in that particular workspace. And so I, as a leader, was expected to squash that. And much like I refused to do it in my classroom, I also refused to do it there. And it made it really challenging for me because I received all that resistance of like, well, you're not a good leader. Um, right. And other so, people probably thought they could walk over you or, or boss you around or, or they just may have felt an inherent disrespect towards you. I just kind you. of like passed over, I yeah. guess, as far as like being seen as a true leader in that right. space. So what does this all have to do with mental health? I'm just going <laughs> to wrap it back up in this bow of those, it, those are expressions of your true self. And when you are not allowed or it is not safe or welcome for you to express in your true ways, then what happens is you go inside and you internalize and you try to shrink yourself and that creates discord. And that shows up in different ways. And like you were saying, a lot of times it manifests as a physical illness. Sometimes it manifests as mental or emotional, right? And, and, or spiritual, you have, you know, a different relationship with, or you have some kind of disconnect disconnect or break with those different areas. So it can show up in a lot of different ways. Um, So to summarize, I do support people with their mental health and wellness by helping them to really attune with and become fluent in their soul wisdom ways in their soul wisdom language that is natural to them and find the confidence and the vocabulary to be able to advocate for that. Mm -hmm. That's really a lovely thing to facilitate and much, much needed because it's so, isn't it so interesting that we, yeah, we have these dominant ways of being even though there's mm-hmm. so many ways of being mm-hmm. um, and there's strength in that t- though like if we just there's let them strength, happen yeah. it would be so much people would be so much happier <laughs> like right. they'd be better workers <laughs> you exactly know? Like, yeah because you would be able to be more effective and more efficient because yeah. you're actually attuned to what you are naturally best at and there's there's so much strength and vitality in variety. And actually, if you look at a sustainable ecosystem in nature, it's not because it's only one thing ever growing in this place. That actually is the fastest way to kill everything. If you think about farming, you know, like there's, um, if you only farm the same thing on the same land year after year after year after year, not only does the nutritional value of the food itself go down, however, its ability to thrive and even then grow in that space or for anything to grow becomes depleted because it's all pulling yeah. from one thing. One source. 
Yeah. yeah. Which again is that it's another way of looking at burnout. It's just depleted all of that one physical resource. And so then the energetic, the mental, the emotional, et cetera, are not able to grow or thrive there. So you need that diversity in any environment in order for it to be sustainable. Right. And that cross pollination and all the, yes. all those eco terms that <laughs> yeah, we can exactly. think of. But yeah, that's so, that's so true though. Like diverse ecosystems thrive. Yes. They really do. Um, yep. That says a lot. And so can we translate so can that we... into the workplace and diverse ecosystems thrive there too? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think that's a good note to end on. <laughs> um, <laughs> Thank you. Where can people, to wrap things up, can you let us know yes. where people can find you online if they want to work with you? And do you have any upcoming offers or like absolutely. retreats or workshops or anything? Yeah. So um, you can find me on my website. It's www.atmaitri.com. And if you do the forward slash quiz, that's where you'll find the quiz. Um, I do have a couple of programs that I work with uh, people. It's really one-on-one -on -one work. These are individual programs. I call it a program, not because you're going through a certain set of uh, structures and course, course material, but more so to give us a framework of the time that we're going to be working together and what our focus is. So Soul Wisdom Fluency is seven weeks one-on-one -on -one with me. And so you can actually, if you download that PDF, you can just email me or contact me and say, hey, I'm interested in your Soul Wisdom Fluency program. And then in addition to that, I also have Soul Wisdom Mastery, which is for entrepreneurs in tying together that work-life balance and finding your natural ways and of knowing and being in all areas of your life. So those are my two main programs. I do have a retreat coming up in Hawaii in May of next year, end of May, beginning of, excuse me, end of April, beginning of May. And we'll be listing that very soon. So stay tuned. And yeah, so otherwise I do have offerings just kind of on my calendar is a great place to look for those and follow me on social media. Awesome. Oh, I'm so jealous about the Hawaii retreat. <laughs> I want to go. <laughs> Maybe you'll come. Yeah, <laughs> who knows? So that's 2023, right? Not 24? Yeah, 2023. Okay. Mm -hmm. Very yeah. cool. Okay, awesome. Thank you so much. And um, my last question for you that I ask all my guests yeah. is what advice can you give our listeners for living a wild, creative life? Mm. Make time for it. Definitely make time yeah. for it because that's the that's the missing thing, right? You can think about it all day long, but if you're not actually making the time and space for it, it's right. not going to happen. But the net result is still zero. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Regina. This was a really thank interesting you. talk. Oh, awesome. I had so much fun. I appreciate you having me here. All right, that's a wrap for today. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Regina. And if you're curious to learn more about what your soul wisdom language is, please do take Regina's quiz. The link for it is in the show notes. If you're enjoying the podcast overall, please do rate and review. Don't forget to subscribe, follow, share. I do also have a Patreon for the show if you'd like to support it that way. Just go to patreon.com slash emmakivetna. If you do support the show through Patreon, I will be forever grateful to you. If you have any questions or comments or topic ideas for future episodes, please do email me at emmakivetna at gmail.com. Otherwise, until we meet again, stay wild, stay creative. <laughs>